0: All right, turn to Matthew 5, and we're going to keep looking at this passage of wisdom with the understanding that we desire God's grace to reign in our life. Amen? How many of you need a little bit of grace from God right now? Yeah. Yeah. Did you have a tough week? Was it a hard one? I I think that's a given. And if you didn't, just turn on the news And you can commiserate As a matter of fact, when we use the word commiserate tonight I want to make sure that you understand That is, there's nothing about what we're talking about What God is talking about, what Jesus is edifying us with That gives us permission to commiserate And I'll I'll get to that in a minute, what exactly that means So let me read it to you And it's uh, Matthew 5 Verse 4, it says this Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. There's a challenge in that. We start with this idea of blessed, which is a great idea. Ladies and gentlemen, Fernando, Treya, Gabriel. love you guys so well, let me let me stop focusing over there sorry you're, that's why you're never supposed to do that I got so enthralled um, so we have the challenge that it starts out with this wonderful word bless. Right, and we'll get into definitions in a minute. But here we see the Lord say, "What? Blessed are those who what? Say it. Say it louder. Thank you. Sorry, we're outdoors. I gotta, I gotta get a little Southern Baptist in me going. Okay. Mourn. Blessed are you. How, how many have gave that for a Christmas card this year? <laughs> Anybody, uh, a Hallmark card say that on on the inside uh, leaf? That is such a foreign concept, is it not? Do you feel blessed when you're depressed? That's a t-shirt by the way, (laughs) right? Do you feel blessed when you're depressed? What does the world tell you you're supposed to feel when you're depressed? Hopelessness, right? This is such a common challenge in the world we live in and it's even worse now as a matter of fact we might even be on the brink of hopelessness and yet jesus comes along and he says what blessed are those who mourn i'm gonna have fun getting into this but let me tell you our world is off its axis folks can i get an amen on that i see some head on back there The world is off its axis, and let me explain what that means because it's very personal to me. In my office, uh, this past uh, Wednesday night, I had uh, premarital counseling with a wonderful couple, uh, Mike and Lynn Redlin. No, I'm sorry, Andrew, Andrew and uh, <laughs> Andrew and Kelsey. And uh, I have this, I have these mementos all around my office that have something to do with different series that I preached. And right next to them is this book. I got it as a gift for myself. (laughs) I got myself this gift for Christmas, okay? I gave it to my dad and I got so excited about it, I got myself one. And it's this book about the universe, and then a globe. And it's this illuminated globe. And what's so cool is Andrew and Kelsey kept looking at it and kept looking at it. And when we got done with everything, I thought my stuff, my material was fantastic. They're set for just an incredible, attractive marriage. And what do I get? you know like, that globe's really interesting. How's that thing do that? And I'm like, focus. <laughs> right? What's so unique about this globe is that it levitates. It doesn't just levitate. It spins. So people come into my office, and they're like, they're looking underneath between the book and the globe. And they're like, want to? And I go, no, 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 no. Keep your hand out of there. You'll get electrocuted. Don't do it. Right? And they're trying to figure out because it sits two inches above the book and just levitates and spins. And I'm not going to give away the secret how it does it, but I will tell you, it came off its axis. The cleaners came through yesterday. I walked in this morning at 8 o'clock, and the world was off its axis. It had become unhinged. As a matter of fact, the world was in, (laughs) dare I say it, Locked down. It had been bumped and came off its axis and just went, locked down to that book on the universe. And it takes a Herculean effort to pull it off. And then it takes hours, thank you cleaning people or anybody else who wants to knock the earth off its axis. It takes hours to get that thing reset. As a matter of fact, I gave it as a gift. The person who got the gift refuses to try to get it to, to actually do what it's supposed to do It's just, it takes so long to get it set, so it does what it's supposed to do. Does that sound like the earth? And that our creator who is in control of all things, our enemy, our adversary, wants to knock everything off its axis, and he's doing a pretty good job. But who's in charge? Who is in charge? You need to say it. Yes, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, he who before the creation of the world determined that you might become redeemed, that he gave things for you and I to do before the creation of that very world. He is in control, amen? Amen. So I got in my office and the earth was off its axis. And it took me... Like, eight or nine tries to get the world all right again. I'll just let you know on try number nine, I prayed, and the world is fine now. Okay? Wouldn't it be great if that's how it worked? But I think that is how it works. If we truly understand everything's going to be okay, because I didn't hit the panic switch, folks. I knew that if I just put some time in, I could get it spinning again. And brothers and sisters, for us, when it comes to all the chaos that's going on around us, if we put the time in spiritually, we're going to be not just okay. We're going to be spinning just like God has us, just like God intended, just like God purposed. And we're going to be this shining light that people will look to because we're not at the brink of hopelessness. We are at the brink of heaven on earth. Amen? So let's get into this and let's look real quickly. We want a world that just continues to spin in the right direction, it's, it's innate in us, right? Uh, Disney or Pixar had a great, great uh, uh, movie that came out and it's about emotions. What I can't remember what it's called because I'm so non-emotional. <laughs> Inside Out, and the premise of that movie was they wanted to take sadness and kick it to the curb. They, they, they took sadness and sequestered it way off to the side. And what was interesting is even Pixar, even Disney knows that if we're truly going to be complete, there's something innately important about sorrow that is a necessity for us spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. Isn't that a mind-bender? Because the whole world is designed around you and I to take away as much sorrow as possible. And the world wants to promise that we can, we can live above the echelon of sorrow indefinitely. But what Jesus is saying to us here is that blessed, happy, more than happy, we'll get to the definitions just in a second, are those who mourn. And I'm going to define mourn in a minute. For they will be what? Comforted. Comforted. Well, let's get to these definitions. So we talked about this last week. Blessed. What, is, what does this mean? And, and you could try using the word happy. You could try using the definition happy. How many of you want to be happy? Right? Of course. How many of you have felt like happiness has been evading us or been stolen away? Wait till you hear this definition of what Jesus is actually saying. Overwhelmingly satisfied and pleased, regardless of the circumstances. I want to live there. And see, this is the promise that Christ gives. If we make the effort through his power to do these attitudes, to have these ways of thinking. Amen? So again, what when he says blessed, what is he saying? Overwhelmingly satisfied and pleased regardless of the circumstances. How you doing? Because we got some pretty bad circumstances. In a little bit, you're going to be able to share what you are mourning over. The bad circumstances that, that are surrounding you. Don't have to necessarily be your own, but we're going to talk about that and how this Beatitude, attitude, or the attitude of Christ, was lived out around you and how comfort came in the midst of the sadness or immense sorrow. So what it isn't, because I was thinking if I define what it is, you like that Grace? What it is. I'm trying to relate to you. You like that? It? It's dad joke. Okay, all right, moving on. I just want to make sure you guys aren't melting out there because, you know, some of you have eaten and, and like, what is it, like about 80 where you're sitting? Because I'd I'd be passing out right now. I'd be slumping over. So I'm just fair warning, if I see any of you slumping over or drool running, I'm calling you out by name. All right? Just call you out by name. So I thought about the fact that we need to define you need to know what it is Jesus is saying. But part of what it means to define a word is to know what it isn't. So when we talk about blessed, what it isn't, well, it's not sainthood, right? Because sometimes when we talk about, oh, blessed one, right, th- th- that could be conflated with this idea, oh, oh, my goodness, they are so they are blessed by God, right? They have triple halos <laughs> over their head. That's not this. That's not this definition. Also, it's not the acquisition, right? Have you ever looked at, at, at someone's life and you just see what God has blessed them with? That's not this term. What else isn't it? Well, it's not just general happiness. General happiness is fleeting. There's no depth to it. What Jesus is promising here over and over, if we pursue through his power these attitudes, there is depth that reaches into the soul that keeps us from going over the brink of hopelessness. So, the next word that we have to define is mourn. Now, you really need to pay attention to this because this is pretty intense. To mourn, the word here, there are nine different Greek words that explain this idea of mourning throughout the New Testament. This particular Greek word that's used right here is the single most intense version of this. So, when Jesus says that we are to mourn, what is, what are you picturing? Eeyore? Tigger? You know what what are you picturing? You know in America we have a way of mourning. For man it's like this. <laughs> right? Or or being classified or being compartmentalized or taking some time right? We use that we we compartmentalize by using those kinds of of statements, right? Why don't you just take some time? You go deal with what you need to deal with that's what we've been taught to say now there's nothing innately wrong with that, but I need you to understand what Jesus is saying because it requires a whole lot more than what you've heard in America It is to wail. It is to weep. It's the idea of somberness. It's the idea of seriousness. It's the idea of depression to a level. It is the idea of the deepest sorrow you can imagine. Have you been there? Have you been somewhere where there's utter wailing and weeping because of crisis and circumstance? We don't allow that in America, do we? And if someone does that, we're going to classify them. Yet what Jesus is saying is not only is this normal, you need to do this. You will be blessed if you do this. Here we have the world off its axis, and we're all trying to maintain, aren't we? We're all trying to maintain. I would contend, brothers and sisters, we should mourn. We should mourn. And rather than intellectualize all the conflated ideas that are bouncing around out there, why don't we mourn? Because what Jesus promises is comfort. Is that not ultimately what we need as a society, as a civilization, as the church? Is comfort. But he says you can't, you can't go halfway on this, folks. You got to commit all the way in the deepest sense of sorrow. This is what it means to mourn. And I'm going to give it away right now, because when we mourn to that effect, it's there that we meet Jesus. Because until I get to that point, I don't need, I don't need Jesus. You feel what I'm saying? Because I can go through life and all the circumstances you can hand at me or, or all the crisis the world can hand to me, I got a way of, of maintaining. I got a way to make it happen. I got a way to pick myself up. I can do that every single day until it all comes crashing down. As opposed to the idea that Jesus gives me a promise if you mourn the way I want you to mourn. There will be comfort. Many of you are suffering. I look into your eyes. I know some of your stories. And many of you are trying to be strong for the people around you. Jesus didn't say, blessed are those who are strong for those who are around you. Jesus is calling deep to deep. And he's saying, rely on me. Be willing to wail. Because when you get there, then, then you will seek me, and then I will comfort you. Then I will comfort you. Well, what is this word comfort? By the way, what what mourning isn't? It's not sullenness. It's not reflectiveness. It's not pensiveness, and it's not rational grief. It is the most in depth and involved. Passionate feeling of sorrow that the Greek has in its lexicon. Well, What does comfort mean? It means encouraged. Jesus is saying you will be overwhelmingly satisfied and pleased regardless of your circumstances. If you wail and weep and you have immense sorrow, then you will be encouraged. You'll be exhorted. You'll be lifted up. You'll be listened to. You will not be alone. Brothers and sisters, that's one of the worst things about when we are suffering is being alone. Amen? And we can be in a room of people and yet feel very alone. This is what Jesus is speaking to. He's saying, when you've run out of all the other options and your soul is still crying out, wail. To me, I'm listening. Cry out to me. Because why? Because I want to comfort you. Which of you parents, when your kid has a has a major medical issue, hands them a band-aid. Or just licks it, right? You remember that from mom? You're fine. Right? <laughs> Get up. Go wearing a helmet everywhere. Not wearing a mask everywhere. No, I didn't say that. This idea that we're we're self-sustaining people and we're going Jesus says, there's only so much that you and I can handle according to our circumstances. And he's saying when you get to that point, you start crying out to me, and you cry out to the depths, and I will listen. I will listen. There's some other scripture that speaks to this. Romans twelve fifteen says, "Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn." Have you ever had the privilege of having somebody come alongside you during a very difficult time, and they just screwed the whole thing up? <laughs> right? They had the best of intentions, but you just, in your mind, you're just praying, dear Jesus, make them realize they left the iron on. Or there's a pizza in the oven burning somewhere. Just get them away from me. Because I can't handle, I know they have the best of intentions. Or how many of us have been at that point where we've had no answer and we've been crying out to Jesus. And he provides somebody that had exactly the right comfort. Exactly the right words. That's what it means to mourn with those who mourn. And my friends, that may not mean we have to sit and try to fix somebody, right? It may mean we just sit with those people. It may mean we send them a card. It may mean we just call them or text them during the week without any need for a response just to let them know the Lord led us to pray for you, to think of you. But if there is anything, I'm going to go the distance you. I will carry the cross of Christ for you. Right? Mm. Mourn with those who mourn. James 4, 8-10 says this, just a great, great passage. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And, and, and here comes the, the really encouraging part of this passage, right? This says, be wretched and mourn and weep Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into gloom. Yeah, I want to sign up for that faith. That's that's a chamber of commerce brochure if ever I heard one. Who wants to go to that seminar? Brothers and sisters, there's a reason we see this over and over. The earth is off its axis because it has a a twisted view of what is good for us. By a hearty... Yea, verily, that's the part you say, if you agree. No, no, I'm not, I haven't given it to you yet, but that was a good warm-up. Do you believe that we grow stronger and dive closer to Christ because of challenges in life? Do you believe because things are great you just got a promotion. Your wife thinks you're the hottest guy next to Brad Pitt. Your dog cleaned the refrigerator. <laughs> Life is that good. Did that that drives you closer to Jesus? Say, yay, verily." <laughs> well, yeah, because okay, it'd be a miracle, okay. <laughs> that That's true, it would be a miracle. There seems to be this thing that we see over and over that there is a balance in brothers and sisters, let me take you back to where we were about ten minutes ago. Even the world sees it. We have over fifty percent of young people from sixth grade on that are on antipsychotics or some kind of medication because of anxiety and difficulty, and we are losing. We are losing. Because we're trying to cover a deep wound with a band-aid. We're trying to cover a deep wound with a band-aid. But even the world recognizes, while they want to take away all pain and make it look like it's this, if it was like this, the world would be out of balance, my friends, and would fall off its axis man has proven himself over and over and over throughout scripture that the moment we have heaven on earth we forget about god we forget about god when everything is great when everything is the way it will be in heaven we will not be able to forget about god because we will be what with god but here on earth we are so distracted so easily that we supplant god and his purpose in our lives and yet the god of this world the adversary, the enemy, steals, kills, and destroys. And there's no getting away from it while we're here. There is no getting away from it while we're here. So what is the answer? What is the answer in the midst of the difficulty and the challenge and the crushing blows? Is to admit it. Is to embrace it. It is to mourn so that we might truly be comforted. Real short example. When you ask somebody that you're very close with, you can tell something's wrong, right? I can tell there's something wrong with Sandy. There's just something wrong with Sandy. And so Sandy, I'm just gonna ask you, is everything okay? Lost a family member this week, and the family couldn't be with. Right, right. So Sandy's mourning. Now, how did I know things weren't okay with Sandy? But Sandy, I'm just going to tell you. Praise God, you answered that way. Because how do we normally answer? Everything's okay. How's it going? I'm okay. I'm okay. If that's not Pavlovian, I don't know what is. Was that too big of a word? If we're not dangling a piece of cheese out in front and training us over and over just to say, it's okay, it's okay. And then we wonder why we're emotionally, spiritually, and mentally bankrupt. Because we've lost this. We've lost the idea of what it means to mourn. So Sandy, we mourn with you. John 11, the death of Lazarus. The word weep is used five times in this passage. Even to the point where it says that Jesus what? Wept. Wept. Even Jesus wept. So imagine Mary coming out, throwing herself at the feet of Jesus Christ. Her brother has died, right? So we we can kind of relate here. Brother has died. Jesus is supposed to be best friends with Lazarus. And he chooses not to show up. Sister Martha has already gone out and said, What? Had you been here, this never would have happened. Mary goes out. She throws herself at the feet of Jesus and is weeping. She is wailing. And she says, Had you been here? And this is the famous passage where he says, I am the resurrection and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. And then he turns to Mary and says, do you believe? And through the tears she says, yes, Lord, I do believe. And it's in this moment where Jesus wept. Pretty emotional, right? Pretty deep, passionate stuff. Can I tell you, that's child's play compared to the word Jesus uses here for Lord. Are you starting to grasp the depth of what Jesus wants you to do when it comes to mourning? He doesn't want you to hold back. He doesn't want you to leave something in the depths that you hold on, that you try to take care of, that you try to solve, or that you just bury. Instead, he's saying, I want to comfort you, but we're never going to get there if you don't mourn. Or you don't come alongside and mourn with those who are mourning. We already know one person we need to do that with. This is the same word where Peter realized that he betrayed Christ three times. And he did what? He went out of the outer into the outer courtyard and he wept. He wept. Jesus says in Luke 6, 25, Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. By the way, this is the parallel passage in Luke to exactly what we're reading. This is Luke's version of the Beatitudes, except in the Beatitudes in Luke, he gives the have this attitude, but then he gives the woes. Woe to you who don't do this. And see, he uses both words here. He uses the word mourning, which is this super intense depth, excavation of our sorrow coming out in a very real way. And then he also uses the word weep, which is what Peter did, which is what Mary did, which is what Jesus did. Did you have any idea that God understood emotions to that depth? So what do we do in the midst of all this? Our current world is off its axis. I encourage you, I implore you, we need to learn. We need to learn how to mourn. We need to learn how to wail and to weep. There's a time for everything. Turn with me if you have your Bibles to 2 Corinthians. I want to encourage you with this out of chapter 1. If I know someone's going through a rough time, whether it's email, whether it's a card, or whether it's a text, often I'll include this passage. And if you've received this from me, now you know why. Blessed, starting verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. The God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. A little tricky, right? There's a lot of comfort in there. So this morning, when we look at this idea of being comforted, what does that mean? It means being encouraged. It means being exhorted. It means being lifted up. Psalm 40, one of my favorite psalms, says, I was stuck in the miry clay. And God, you came and you lifted me up and you set my feet on a rock. There have been times where I've been out surfing on areas I shouldn't have been surfing at, and it was open, exposed area. It wasn't just like a walk off a beach. You jumped off a cliff into the swell. The only problem with that is you didn't think about how you were gonna get out. You just, you saw the swell so nice, and you wanted it, and nobody else was there, so you're just like, we're doing this, and when I didn't know how to navigate getting out, I tried to get up on these rocks, and they're covered with sharp barnacles, and slime and my feet kept slipping off and I kept getting cut. And you know one one of the number one rules about being in ocean? Don't bleed. Think about it, you know, sharks bleed, you know, that stuff, right? And that's where I really started to appreciate this idea where I couldn't get my footing. I could and I started getting panicking. And Psalm forty speaks to that. This is what it means to be comforted, my friends, that God does this in our life. We need to learn how. We need to learn how to reach to the Lord and be comforted. Romans 8.36. Turn there with me if you will, as I'm trying to load you up with how do we get comforted. Romans eight. Yes, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Brothers and sisters, on May 30th, I preached a message here. It was the hardest message I've ever preached. I won't tell you why, because I'm being a total cheese baller when it comes to my own message, right? supposed to tell you everything, supposed to admit everything to you, you're supposed to be that trans. no, you don't have to go over the falls with it, folks, but on that day, what the Lord required of me, and the sorrow that happened as a choice to obey Him, was overwhelming, and I don't really actually remember much of any of this after I preached that day. I remember sitting down, that's the last thing I remember. But I do remember Whaley. Like only one other time in my life. And at some point, not to be dramatic, I'm just telling you what happened. There's about four people out here in front of me that were there. At some point, I just fell over. I passed out because of Whaley. Now, the man in me says, let's go get a job at Home Depot and curl up in the plumbing aisle in the fetal position. But I'll tell you, I do not preach what I do not know. And everything I just shared with you about the importance of deep calling out to deep, I stand before you telling you it's real. It matters. Not only did Jesus comfort me, not with the answer I wanted, let me just be straight with you. The answer I got was devastating. But how much more powerful is it when you can be comforted when the answer you get is devastating? That's true. Comfort. The only reason I'm standing in front of you today is because what this verse promises you is very real. Otherwise, you can visit me in the plumbing department at Home Depot. (laughs) The other way God comforted me in that moment was when I looked up, I was surrounded by people who care, for me, who have not questioned me, who have not called for my job, who haven't doubted the veracity of, well, most of my intelligence. But I will tell you, I am surrounded by those that I know care for me with the love of Can I tell you there's no book, there's no self-help group, there's no drug, there's nothing that I could do to perpetuate any of that kind of comfort. But I never would know that comfort if I wasn't willing to mourn. And in that moment, it demanded that I would mourn. And in this moment, as I stand before you, and we're going to give an opportunity real quickly for meet and greet, just a real happy, cherishable time, right? Here we go, we preach all this, and then, you know, let's, let's meet and greet. Is it even, we're not really going to do, like, a real meet and greet, everybody calm down. Um, we're just going to have kind of a, what we just did with Sandy, we're going to have a prayer over those who want prayer, because you're suffering, because you need comfort. But I will tell you, I called Brad, or texted Brad, What, four hours ago? Three hours ago? Because the very thing I wrestled with on November 30th hit me again right between the eyes today at 1 o'clock. And I just texted Brad saying, man, you better be ready in the wings. Because I'm not sure I can stand up and and preach. And as we stood over in my office and he prayed over me, he asked me, are you going to be okay? And I said, yeah. I'm going to be okay because the only way, the only way, that I find comfort is preaching the truth of what I know comforts me that's it that's it and then Brad smiled really big because he really liked my answer so I felt really good <laughs> so brothers and sisters the world is off its axis and here's your marching orders this week you have everything you have everything once a day you pray and ask the Lord to reveal to you someone who might be suffering. And you reach out to them. And just let them know that the Lord placed you, placed them on your heart. And you don't have to go in and rescue anybody. You got it? You don't have to rescue anybody. But you can be that comfort just by saying, I'm thinking of you but maybe the Lord will use you in a very profound way that goes beyond just that initial contact. You don't know until you start trying. The other thing I'm going to ask is this, is if you are suffering silently, if you are mourning, please, don't do it in silence. Unless the Lord tells you, don't do it in silence. Let somebody know that you need comfort. But go deep. Don't put the band aid On a compound fracture. It's quite the picture, isn't it? All right, let me pray over you. Then we're just going to have a quick, quick testimony time, and then you get to hear from one of my favorite people on earth, Samer. Samer's going to bring you some word from our student ministries group, and uh, this is fantastic. So what I want after I pray is just testimony about what the Lord shared with you right now. In this message, what does the Lord say to you? If there's any encouragement, if there's any comfort. What did he share with you? Or how have you seen this verse lived out? Megan, you are the greatest mom in the world. Let's give a hand to Megan. Megs, you let them play as loud as they want. Let them go. Just relax and listen to the Lord. They're good. I love those kids. (laughs) All right, let me pray. Father, thank you so much for our time. The beautiful weather. Lord, thank you for these saints that said it was important to be here to worship. I pray that they're blessed incredibly, that this has gone beyond their expectations. And, And here we get to lift our voices in praise and exaltation to you. But I pray that your spirit has spoken to the depths of our souls tonight. Thank you, Father, for the gift of your word. And raining in our lives so that we might be drenched, not just sprinkled, but we might be drenched with comfort. Thank you, Father. In your name, amen.